emotional reasoning has to do with taking in all of the facts and the figures and the technical data, right? This is our competency around decision-making. So taking in all of those hardcore elements and adding the information that's in feelings and emotions. And so the feelings and emotions of the person making the decision, as well as the feelings and the emotions of the people who will be impacted by the decision. Welcome to the EI Sunday Supplement. The mini-series is designed to offer employees and leaders new tools and tactics to improve how we connect and collaborate with colleagues. This series is created by the HR Gazette in partnership with Genos North America, a world leader in emotional intelligence assessments and training designed specifically for business environments. Hello, this is Bill Burnham. Happy Sunday, everybody. I'm joined on this special Sunday supplement focused on EI by none other than the awesome Debbie Mono. Hey, Debbie, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Thank you, and happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. So this is episode four already, and today, Debbie, we are focusing on emotional mm. reasoning. So I, I'm guessing we're going to get fairly technical today. Why don't we start by a definition? How would you guys over at Journal North America define emotional reasoning yeah again i was going to say this one of my favorite competencies but i say that every week bill so maybe your listeners will forgive me um emotional reasoning has to do with taking in all of the facts and the figures and the technical data right this is our competency around decision making so taking in all of those hardcore elements and also adding the information that's in feelings and emotions and so the feelings and emotions of the person making the decision, as well as the feelings and the emotions of the people who will be impacted by the decision. And this competency is a bit uh, near and dear to my heart because if you are of a certain age, um, as I am, when I began working, I was distinctly told, and maybe some of you listeners were told the same, and maybe you were too, Bill, check your emotions out the door. Debbie, your emotions have no place in making a business decision. It's just a business decision. Leave your emotions out of it. And, you know, we know that that's impossible. Um, our emotions are in our brains. Our brains are in our heads. And to my knowledge, we all take our heads to the workplace with us and everywhere we go. Those emotions are coming along for the ride. And so they are omnipresent. What I think that that early guidance that I was given when I was a young person starting out in the workplace wasn't so much to check my emotions at the door as much as it was to be emotionally intelligent when you are in the workplace. We just didn't talk about it that way. And so this really is this competency that's all around decision making, how we make those decisions and how we communicate those decisions to be as productive as we can be. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. Okay, thank you very much. So why is it important at work, Debbie? And as part of that, does how does it matter? Why does it matter to employees, to leaders, and to HR pros? Yeah. So the interesting thing, Bill, about this competency 
is because it's around decision making, it is our competency where a couple really crucial relationship elements come into play. This competency, first of all, is where, um, when demonstrated to a high degree and frequently, we get buy-in. We get people to choose to opt in to a decision or to a change if we are executing and demonstrating emotional reasoning um, well. This is also the place where ethics and our moral compass lies. And so when you start talking about, now last week we talked about authenticity, being trustworthy, being genuine, you can see, again, I refer to these as a tapestry getting woven together because that definitely leads right into having a strong moral compass and demonstrating really good solid ethics. So this is a hugely important competency in the workplace because if a change is happening or if you are communicating something to a team, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And if we're conscious of the language that we use, if we're conscious of understanding how the decision might impact that team, both productively and perhaps unproductively, and authentically acknowledging that, we are far more likely to get people to say, oh, now I understand. I'm not really big on that part, but I understand why it has to be that way. And, and so, okay, I'm gonna do my part. That's communicating buy-in. That's getting people to opt on to the back of the truck and come along for the ride. If we don't take the time to do that, if we don't take the time to, for example, explain the rationale behind why decisions are being made, not just communicating, here's the decision, but giving that backfill really helps people to feel included in the process. They understand more information. They, again, are more likely to buy in and come along rather than just being dictated to, here's the way you're going to do it starting on Monday. Well, now, rather than people choosing to come on board, we're sort of dragging them along with us. And so simply by acknowledging in the decision-making process, hey, how do I feel about this decision? And when this gets communicated to my team, how is it likely to land with them? What might their perceptions be? We can take all of that in. Doesn't necessarily mean, Bill, that the decision changes. Most often it does not change at all. But how it's communicated changes. And in this day and age, when the workplace is fluid, when you have people coming and going, and with um, the social media elements like Glassdoor, for example, where employees can leave real-time, open, very public messages about their experiences at organizations or with particular people in organizations, it's really crucial to create trusted environments environments in which people feel that they are part of and that they are bought in and that they feel that those organizations and that their leaders come from a strong ethical place with a strong moral compass. Simply working on this one competency can completely change the environment and the culture within a department or within an organization. So twice in the answer, you mentioned this tool, uh, this, this idea of a of a moral compass mm -hmm. that's very very interesting i, I don't want to get all mary shelley on you debbie but um as, as you know that the, the monster was born a shell and the the situation around that monster led to it becoming this 
this malevolent being. Okay, that's that's the moral of that story. Do you think that um, do you think that folks are born with a moral compass, or do you think it's something that they're taught? Is, is this uh, nature versus nurture? Is what I'm getting at here. Well, this is a really good question. I can answer this from our work um, and and the work that we do and the way that we measure the elements of these competencies. Um, each of these competencies, Bill, have seven what we refer to as emotionally intelligent leadership behaviors. And so what we are really keenly interested in is how, how do people show up? How are they communicating? What are they doing? And so no matter someone's start point, so some people um, have the benefit of just naturally being more emotionally intelligent than others. But no matter the start point, the way that we're working with these competencies and these behaviors, every single one of them can be grown and improved. And in fact, we actually give people guidance on how to do that. So I'm not sure that I'm qualified to delineate with the nature and the nurture, but what I can talk about is on the nurture side, wherever your start point, there's growth opportunity in the way that that Genos approaches these competencies. And that's really exciting. You know, when, when you look at the research, it shows that individuals can elevate their demonstration of emotional intelligence somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15 to 20 percent with intention and with practice. And so if someone didn't have the benefit of coming from an environment in which they saw strong ethical lines or strong moral compass. That means that through this growth and development process, through measurement in our development programs, they can learn to behave and to demonstrate the very observable behaviors and leadership behaviors that will then follow a strong moral compass and a strong line of ethics. And, and I think that's one of the most exciting elements of our work. Okay, there we go. So what I'm taking from the answer is, uh, sure, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's monster could have had a bit of a compass, maybe not. But the point is, you sit him in a room with the Genos North America team, and he could have been he could have been a, a, a much nicer uh, a person with a with a higher emotional quotient and so on. Yeah. Um, okay, look at the monster. Much of his behavior um, was driven by the way in which he was treated. Absolutely. And this is the essence of human relationship in the workplace and personally, the way that we are treated in the workplace. In fact, our leader is the single strongest influencer and in our levels of engagement in our workplaces. And so the way in which we are treated really often dictates how much of ourselves we bring to the workplace. How innovative are we? How psychologically safe is that workplace? So you you bring up a good analogy that I hadn't thought about, but it really does come down to how are we treated? And that translates into how we treat others. And if you can influence that, and often with emotional intelligence, Bill, um, often people know what not to do. They just don't always know what to do to really make that an exceptional demonstration of emotional reasoning or of explaining the rationale behind a decision made or taking the bigger picture into account. And with that bit of intention and with that bit of education, boy, these small efforts um, can produce great results. And that's really the exciting, the exciting portion of it. I don't want to detract from your fun fact, which will come up shortly, Debbie, but um, fun fact, listeners, Mary Shelley was 19 when she wrote 
uh, Hackenstein. Can you believe that? 19. Wow. Uh, okay. Anyway, continuing through, maybe you can now share a story about an unproductive state of emotional reasoning. Reasoning. So that's you know being limited, and, and also a productive side of of emotional reasoning. That's that's the uh, that's the expansive side. In, in two minutes or less, please. Yeah, we talk about making expansive decisions and we intentionally use that phrase, that word, because it means that you're taking all of the available information into account. I am looking at the facts, at the figures, at the science, and how do I feel about this decision? How does it feel for me? How am I gonna feel communicating it? And all of the people who will be impacted, how are they gonna feel when they hear this decision? So probably something that many of your listeners have been faced with is some kind of layoff, right? So nobody wants to be laid off. It's likely that that's a difficult conversation. It's a difficult thing to share. It's a difficult thing to hear. If the person who's communicating that layoff is taking into account why it's happening, the facts and the figures, but also understanding how difficult it is for them to communicate it and how difficult it is for those folks to feel about it. And they are authentically sharing their empathy in that communication. Then while it's still not a joyful, you know, information, piece of information to share or receive, certainly the recipients will receive that more productively than the other side of that competency, which we call being limited. This is only taking into account the facts and the figures and completely and sometimes intentionally disregarding how we feel about the message and how the people who will receive that message will feel. Being limited, Bill, is akin to trying to run the Boston Marathon with one leg tied behind your back. You're putting yourself and others at a significant disadvantage. So if someone is not demonstrating a high level of emotional reasoning and steps into that discussion to share with the 10 people in that room that they're being laid off, without considering how those people will feel when they receive it, without communicating that with empathy and with compassion. While the message sent is still the same, what happens is still the same, those 10 folks are laid off. The way that they receive that is completely differently. And now with social media, you can bet that those 10 people have an opportunity to pull their device out when they step out of that room and pop onto a public forum and communicate what that feels like. So today more than ever, it is crucial that leaders really understand what emotional reasoning is and how simply changing the messaging in the way that they deliver it can have a far more productive impact from a human standpoint and from a business standpoint. Thank you, thank you. Okay, is that amazing time of the episodes that we both love it's the time for the fun fact for our sunday debbie what have you got for us this week i've got a fun fact today it's interesting that you brought up mary shelley and some science because i i have got a fun fact this competency is really about technical data coupled with feelings and so it kind of is in sort of those technical areas so here's my fun fact for our listeners today a study followed 80 scientists over the course of 40 years. So this wasn't just kind of a blip. 80 scientists over 40 years and found that social and emotional abilities are four times, four times more important than IQ in determining professional success and prestige. 
I love that fun fact because we often think about these really technical jobs like scientists and accountants and computer scientists and computer specialists. Um, no, no, no. This is really going to show that these things that we've been talking about in this series, these emotional capabilities, um, they contribute heavily to someone's overall success, career trajectory, and the prestige that they can achieve in that success, along with their personal relationships. So that is my scientific fun fact for today. Love it. Thank you very much. And if folks want to learn more about you and more of these amazing facts how can they connect with you debbie so linkedin email or whatever you want to share there and of course how can they learn more about genos north america absolutely uh you can pop onto linkedin and go to the genos g-e-n-o-s genos north america page or you can come to my page which is debbie mono m-u-n-o pop onto our genosnorthamerica.com website you can sign up for any one of a number of informational webinars that we do frequently throughout the year, or you can certainly grab my email address from that website and send me an email if you'd like to have a private chat. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Debbie. And uh, listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. We've got two more episodes to go, and that's it. I can't believe it. This series is flying through. Um, so until next week, thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the EI Sunday Supplement. Check out more episodes from the HR Gazette at hrgazette.com or through your podcast platform of choice.